Welcome, boils and ghouls, to Handle with Scare. We are a horror podcast presented by the Slashing Cast Network, discussing horror movies and the phobias they emphasize. Love is in the air, but we have been exploring some terrifying sexual encounters in the genre throughout February to celebrate Valentine's Day. Uh, and, you know, as you guys saw, as I... I shared them with you ahead of the release. Uh, I released a series of like 16 different Valentines for the community that I posted on our Patreon as well as on our Twitter. Uh, and I have to say, like, that was a ton of fun. That was a tradition that I kind of carried over from uh, one of my other podcasts that I'm no longer doing. So it's nice to sort of get back to one of the holiday roots that I had been doing for quite some time and, you know, tailoring them around some genre titles here. I enjoyed those. Yeah, those were a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. I shared them with my friends. <laughs> yes, yeah, so you printed them out. You know, you cut them out into the little heart shapes. and everything. I gave them out in class. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> there <you> go. <laughs> All right, so as you can tell, joining me tonight, as always, are my co-hosts. Up first, we have Holly Who. Charlie, how are you doing tonight? Good, I'm doing great. Thank you. And as you can <laughs> tell, uh, John is with us again remotely with Holly. Uh, John, so good to talk to you again. How's uh, how's your week been? <laughs> good to be here again, definitely. Yep, plans. Maybe a background now for our podcast. Ooh, plants. Uh, not 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 the type that are going to eat you, but uh, you know, maybe at some point. You never know. Those are that'll be the that'll be the surprise right at the end, uh, because that's how the plants welcome you home. Uh, The home in the movie we're talking about greets you in an entirely different way, uh, which uh, we'll get into that ending because uh, there there were two ways that I took that ending in regards to who the entity was greeting. But that's besides the point. So last week, (laughs) last week, we learned about the a thousand and one different ways that Dennis Miller tried to ruin Tales from the Crypt presents Bordello of Blood. (laughs) And, you know, tonight we are shifting from the very campy 90s to some downright terrorizing in the Entity release in 1982, directed by Sidney J. Fury. And the Entity revolves around a woman who is being tormented and sexually molested by an invisible demon. All right. So, before we talk about the movie, because there's there's a lot to unpack with this one. Uh, you know, a couple of notes. We have watch parties every Thursday streaming at 8 p.m. Pacific time on Stream Lounge. Uh, tomorrow, we're doing a Fright Rags giveaway during that stream. And we'll be watching The Babysitter on Netflix. And, you know, I'm sure you guys by now have heard about Stream Lounge from our podcast or uh, one of our sister podcasts on the Slash and Cast Network, because I know the Conjecturing has their watch party. Uh, their next one is this Saturday, also at 8 p.m. Pacific time, watching some bad M night uh, with Lady in the Water. So I'm going to have to get absolutely shit-faced to make it through that movie, because it is that bad Wow. for M night. It's, ugh, I haven't seen it. It's. I actually uh, stopped the, the <laughs> one before that, I think, is the last one I watched. Was the one before that the one with the vil- the village? Yeah. 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 yeah that that one yeah. also wasn't. Ugh. It was a disappointing ending, a disappointing twist, mm-hmm. and I was done with it. It was like, you know what, M? I'm done. Yeah. It's just it's just not good. You know, M Night has a 
not the best track record. You know, he's got his highs and lows. Highs are really good, lows are very forgettable. Uh, but tomorrow, I think one of my painters will. <laughs> That's fine. Like your house yeah, yeah, my house might be haunted. Maybe, maybe I have the invisible demon. Uh, besides the point, but tomorrow we'll be watching <laughs> The Babysitter on Netflix, so it's free to sign up on Stream Lounge using your Netflix sub or, you know, whatever streaming software or service that uh, the broadcaster is using at the time, so it can range anywhere from, you know, HBO Max, Shudder, uh, Netflix, Disney+, Plus, and they got a couple of others uh, that they are using as well, but it's been a great tool, and we've been doing that every Thursday here uh, very recently, so... I hope you guys join us there tomorrow, 8 p.m. Pacific time. Uh, outside of that, merchandise. All right, so an update on that front. You know, I talked about, uh, you know, maybe I'd be doing it at home. Uh, but, you know, just the influx of orders has been all over the place. And I don't want to, because I haven't been as hands-on here recently. I I don't want to just, like, shove my way into there and be like, oh, yeah, let me print out all these T-shirts. Uh, so I set up a... Shopfront on T Public, uh, so you know you can search "handle with scare." You should find us. I uploaded three of our designs, uh, two of which are T-shirts uh, or hoodies or you know whatever. There's a ton of different options. So we got our Jack in a Box uh, version as well as our Zombie in the Box uh, as well. So go check that out. It is available to purchase as of the show. So go check that out. Hopefully people buy some stuff. If not, we'll add some more stuff. I'm sure. Uh, very shortly, but I still want to do a test run, uh, so all of us can get a t-shirt, uh, you know, printed from home, and then I'll mail them out to both of you, Yay! uh, in the near future, future. so. Podcast paying off, man. Mm, yeah, yeah. <laughs> one t-shirt at a time. <laughs> one t-shirt at a time. <laughs> one time I... I kind of stuck my foot in my mouth. I'm like, yay, merchandise. Do we have totes? And he's like, no. Do we have beer cozies? No. Sorry. <laughs> but, hey, totes in our future, right? Maybe? Maybe. You know, for all you, all your tote carrying. Like, make it record size, and they have, you know, multi-purpose. The grocery store and record store. Antiquing. <laughs> that is true. Uh, and I'm curious to see whether or not... The command strips behind me are going to hold up after I already lost one of the four. Uh, but, you know, who knows? You know, we like to spike, spice some things up. You know, we, we, we're we trying to uh, really, like, get into the mood for this movie because there is a lot of shit that goes flying throughout the movie or, like, windows blowing out. Not that I'm hoping that happens. You know, we don't need any of that because uh, the cleanup just too great, and I don't want to do any other remodeling here. Uh, but anyways, let's talk about... The inspiration behind the entity, mm-hmm. because this movie has one of those based on a true story attachments at the right. very tail end of the movie. Yeah. And I know whenever someone hears that uh, for any movie, really, not just genre specific, they're always like, oh, yeah. So, you know, normally the connection is like, oh, something happened at a house or it happened in this town or something really low key that has like no real attachment to it. And there's no similarities when it comes to the movie itself. With the entity, that is 100% not the case. Now, it still is a loose adaptation 
of uh, this woman's story, which, you know, we'll get into. And Holly, I'm sure you probably looked into this, too, because there there are some similarities between the movie and the story of Doris Bither. Uh, And, you know, there are some events in her life that, you know, we do kind of see unfold in the movie as well when it comes to, like, the eldest son getting kind of, like, thrown around by the entity as well. Uh, But Doris was really the main victim of this story, but the family also suffered quite a great deal as well. Right. I mean, I did get a chance to do a little bit of research and it's actually, it's out there in, in the, in, in the inner, in the internet. Uh, you can find a lot about the, the background of the story. So they did clean up the character quite a bit, mm-hmm. which I think is a positive thing. Uh, not because uh, they're, they're sort of, uh, you know, uh, changing the character, but because it's sort of, it, it keeps people from, from really downing the story based on the background of the character. So by that, I mean that uh, in, in the, in the real story, um, <clears throat> there was a lot of, uh, you know, trauma that the woman had gone through. Uh, she was an alcoholic. Uh, like the home wasn't a well-kept home. Like you, know, she was barely keeping it together. She had been in multiple abusive relationships. And so these are all things that really, that people use, whether consciously or subconsciously to, to doubt women and, and their stories of, of abuse. And, and they really uh, negatively color a character, right? Mm-hmm. So in the movie, they cleaned up the character. She, um, you, you, there's a couple of references to alcohol, but in, in one of them, she's saying, no, I'm not going to do that tonight. Um, the house is well kept. The kids are clean. And, and, and generally, everything is nice and happy, except for, for the, the, the raping ghost. Um, so I, they, there was that one change, but I think it was a positive one so that you could focus on her and her story rather than having to battle your own prejudices against a woman because of, of a background that she might have. Yeah, one of the interesting things, too, is, you know, this movie kind of sat on the shelf for a couple of years because uh, it was shot in 81, didn't really see a stateside release until 1983, uh, and it really felt like the success of Poltergeist uh, was really what pushed this forward to get released. Uh, which is interesting because, like, I, I wouldn't necessarily say, like, this sort of movie is a great companion piece of Poltergeist just because of uh, how drastic of a tone difference it is. Uh, where, you know, Poltergeist is more of the traditional ghost story. This one... Uh, not so much. And, you know, it takes some interesting turns into, like, parapsychology and, you know, they're kind of, like, teaming up with the university to try to come up with ways to deal with this malevolent force. And the idea that they came up with is, uh, interesting, to say the least, because they're trying to basically, like, entrap this ghost. Uh, <laughs> we call it science. It's really pushing it, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's some dry ice, y'all. <laughs> yeah, we're we're gonna keep this ghost on rocks. You know, I don't, I you know, there's no stupid one-liners like that outside. You know, the final quip from the entity itself. Uh, but you know, looking looking at the story behind the movie uh, and Doris Bither, you know, basically this is someone's life who was just consumed with addiction, abuse. Uh, and, right. you know, spectral rape, just like it kind of is in the movie. Uh, and, you know, her children were also being assaulted, and these things were happening on almost a nightly basis. Uh, so, you know, you had Doris Bither, a mother of four, 
uh, who had lived in Culver City, California. And in 1974 is when, like, the attacks started to happen uh, on her body. And, you know, she had claimed that it was being done by a group of ghosts, which is important because even in the story, uh, you know, we have some parallels there because uh, Carla felt like she was being held down by two smaller uh, creatures. Uh, So what's interesting about this is, you know, the spectral aspect of the assault kind of, like, dates back to, like, ancient Greek days uh, and literature. And modern scientists have tied this phenomenon to a sleep paralysis. Uh, so, you know, you kind of always have those different thoughts in the movie kind of sprinkled in of, all right, is this woman actually sane or is she unwell? Uh, because every step of the way, her story is being doubted by the people at the university outside of, you know, the paranormal investigators at the time. Even but like, them, though, even, right? even her best friend is like, have you been doing drugs? <laughs> you know, like. And to be quite, uh, you know, fair, it's, that's what we would all do, right? That's your first assumption. You know, your first assumption isn't, ooh, paranormal. I mean, I don't know about you, John, but that's. <laughs> yeah, no, that's. <clears throat> I was definitely thinking of. The sleep paralysis and how this is is before they knew what sleep paralysis was Mm -hmm. and, you know, how much of it is night terrors and sleep and sleep paralysis, especially, I mean, brought on by her abuse and things like that, Mm -hmm. that she could definitely have had. I was kind of thinking, you know, in the real world Mm -hmm. and they do with that in the movie, obviously to a certain extent with the psychologist character where they try to, you know, have the, is it in her head or incidentally the worst doctor ever, the (laughs) worst therapist ever. He's so awful. Like not only is he a bad doctor, but he crosses all like these boundaries of like, you know, ethical boundaries. And it's just like, Oh my God, this guy sucks. Yeah. That doesn't age so well. The whole like, I'm, I, uh, you're my patient, but more importantly, I'm romantically attracted to you. So <laughs> therefore, like, I'm going to save you. It, like, that doesn't age so well. No. Yeah. And uh, the whole, like, I'm going to tear her out of, like, experiments and stuff just because. Like, that was, yeah, mm-hmm. that was weird. But I guess you were still going on about the background of the real story mm-hmm. as opposed to getting into the movie. Yeah, and, yeah. you know, there's... Like, there's so much going on with it, and obviously, you know, all this information is available online, but basically, uh, with the inspiration behind it, you know, these these occurrences were happening to the point where, like, even uh, Doris's sons were referring to the ghost by a specific name, because uh, it was happening so damn often, oh, wow. uh, and, you know, one of the son was, uh, you know, mentioning how he, he saw his mom getting thrown across the room by the spectral, and, you know, he tried <laughs> to stop the attack only to... Uh, kind of get ragdolled himself. Uh, and, you know, the eldest son kind of, like, gave a description of what he saw, where it was, like, this fog-like uh, entity. And, you know, these attacks had gone on for years to the point uh, where, you know, obviously the sons were back in their mother's story. And, you know, even the sons had some, you know, different things where, like, what one of my favorite parts about the story was uh, the eldest son... Uh, was talking about his taste in music and how if he played certain uh, genres or certain bands like Black Sabbath or Uriah Heep, 
uh, that the paranormally paranormal activity would really liven up in the house, so it would get more aggressive. Uh, based on the music that was happening, so you know, it just it all circles back to uh, you know heavy metal inciting the devil and you know what have you. But you know, I just I, I thought that was very interesting uh, that Black Sabbath would be. Uh, you know, spewing off this chain reaction of orbs appearing in the house, and we do get quite a bit of light show in the entity. Like a, better than the planetarium. Yeah, that part was kind of interesting and yeah. funny. Um, that, you know, just to connect uh, what you were say- saying earlier about Poltergeist, I had to, you know, look up the date of the release of Poltergeist, which is 82, with the but obviously the similarities with the um, investigators coming mm-hmm. in and setting up all the cameras and filming everything. And then they kind of have that light show similar to Poltergeist where all the lights come down the stairs. I mean, it's different. This is a like a laser show. In, you know, see. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, I was, those similarities definitely stood out, but uh, I didn't get to see about the story behind this one, but did they say they had those? Oh, yeah. That, that was claimed to happen in the actual events. So, uh, and pretty much how it was described, I mean, they were described in the, uh, one of the ah, uh, one of the scientists oh, I don't want to be so judgmental. I'm not saying it's not true, I'm just saying like I'm super skeptical, right? But <laughs> uh, one of the guys involved uh, there was a short documentary uh, that, like 30 minute documentary where he's, he's talking about the case and he's talking about the differences between that and the movie and how he was invited to, like, sort of uh, have input in the movie, but not a lot. And he was saying how uh, they were about the size of a human fist and they were lying green. He described them as lying the green. Mm-hmm. And that they were going back and forth. And then he also did describe that at one point it looked like they were outlining the figure of a man. Mm-hmm. Interesting. It's pretty interesting, yeah. In terms of the real world part, I wonder about, too, a lot especially specific to this era, the early 80s and late 70s. Um, When you look at movies like this movie and Poltergeist and even Ghostbusters, which I believe came out around this time, is this idea of there being actual parapsychology departments at various colleges. Right? Isn't that crazy? I really want to, I haven't looked into this, but I want to look into how real, I know this did sort of exist right. to a certain extent. I've but. even heard that like really, really rich patrons would like, when they would leave money to school to be like, Hey man, I want you to put in a department for ghosts. And then they would have to do it. And, uh, and I don't know if that's how it kind of came about a little mm-hmm. bit, because I can't imagine a bunch of academics saying, you know what? You know, it's just, that one's really far-fetched to me. But like you were saying, like, I would really like to look into it. Because if, if it exists, which I'm pretty sure it does, there's no way that they can lie that straight to my face, right? <laughs> no, definitely <laughs> and not. And I don't think the movies. I mean the, I mean the guy in the 30-minute documentary, right? <laughs> yeah, you're just like, you know, screw opening up a new wing. Like, let's let's get a new department in. Incidentally, <laughs> that's my new fucking major. Uh, <laughs> are you kidding me? Yes. <laughs> Sounds amazing. That would be interesting and fun. Studies into the occult can be my minor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I did think it was sort of weird how she encountered those two parapsychologists. And a bookstore, yeah. And they were talking about ghosts and everything. And then when she invites them to the house, they're super skeptical and mm-hmm. 
and doubting everything she says. And I'm like, what? These are like the parasites. This is your idea. I know, right? <laughs> doubting her. This is everything. your whole thing. It kind of makes sense, though, because, I mean, like, as a parent, I mean, if you're looking for ghosts, then your very first thing is to try to disassemble, mm-hmm. you know, uh, stories and try to make sure, try to get, and try to learn all the different tricks that people know to sort of create, yeah. you know, uh, special effects and stuff. So I can sort of see it. But to your point, it's like, this was your idea. <laughs> you guys are the ones studying this in school. <laughs> <laughs> you're the ones trying to make a life out of this. <laughs> Oh, man. All right. So looking at some of the effects in the movie, you know, obviously we talked about the light show. Uh, Another one of the interesting bits about that was, you know, during uh, some of the assault scenes, you know, there were times where you had like the invisible hand, so to speak, like pressing down on Carla's (laughs) body. And the way that they did that is they had a latex body double uh, that was molded from her body. Uh, So basically what would happen is they would have the mold and it was uh, positioned uh, up, you know, straight with her head. So, like, you, it was still, like, right on her, basically. And then there were these wires that were attached to it from underneath. Uh, so the effects team uh, were, like, under the bed, and they would pull on the wire in uh, in order oh. to make it look like her nude body was being groped by the entity, in this case. I thought it was, like, suction cups, but I thought that was a pretty neat effect, and I thought it was really disturbing actually kind of it, it really did send chills up my body especially when like you get a little taste of it um when she's by herself and it's just fondling mm-hmm. and then and then like that was uh i thought that was a really um strong scene when you get the final attack well not the final attack the second to last attack where her fiance sees it mm-hmm. and she's completely nude on the bed and and being fondled and it's just it was very jarring to see her completely nude because in all the other scenes they they made such a big deal about only showing certain angles so that you couldn't see her her body so i I thought that was um like that was a very effective scene i thought and and when you get to see those special effects too it was just again jarring is my one of my favorite words to say when it when it comes to shit like this Mm -hmm. definitely no, the effects were really good. Mm-hmm. It, it kind of a bit like uh, kind of reminded me of American Werewolf in London almost, mm. you know, where the full yeah. body mm-hmm. effect happening. I thought that was, you know, of course that would be CGI today. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that would, they would have to do that. I wish there was more puppetry, <laughs> like Rogu. Isn't he a puppet? He's not C- CGI, right? <laughs> He's like a $5 million puppet. <laughs> <laughs> adorable this it, this felt sort of i liked this movie felt like uh you know during the post exorcist mm-hmm. era where right. they were willing to take horror movies more seriously and not just be corny kind of you know vampires or frankensteins running around um and be, do, do a more serious ghost story or, or demon story i really appreciated that about this movie because it could have um it could have really gone real cheese mm-hmm. um and i've heard this say, said in other reviews too just that uh, between the how the story is set up and the actress and just the the amount of uh, gravitas that everything was given, it, 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 it's, it, it's, a, it's a very serious movie, and I appreciated that it, that it didn't take, um, that it didn't diverge away from that sort of seriousness. Yeah, we've had a couple of movies since then that have kind of, like, honed in on the uh, invisible or spectral aspect 
with Assault in a few cases. Like, I think the main two that come to mind were, like, Hollow Man uh, with Kevin Bacon. Because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, he fondles the one redhead and he also uh, rapes his, you know, hot neighbor uh, in that movie mm-hmm. in one of the, the leading scenes. Uh, and then also in the Invisible Man remake, that deals a lot with like torment and assault, uh, more more mental than uh, physical in that case. Uh, but you know that was probably the most recent uh, example that we had seen in the genre uh, at this point. But you know, like bringing it back to the entity, like I don't think either one of those really had it displayed at the forefront to the same extent as this movie did, and it's really what makes it such a jarring experience. Like Holly said. Uh, and, you know, throughout this movie, you know, you kind of have that feeling of, well, like, is this house actually haunted or is Carla herself really the cause of all of this? Mm-hmm. Uh, because, you know, we, we learn, much like the real-life counterpart, like, this is someone who had suffered a number of traumas uh, throughout her childhood. She was sexually abused in her past. She had a teenage pregnancy. Uh, you know, she lost her first husband after, like, a violent death. So you've had all of these really chaotic moments in her life that could very easily, uh, kind of, like, conjure up that negative sort of energy around her, which would make her super susceptible, uh, to something like this. But, you know, when you talk about the whole, uh, psychiatric part, you know, Snyderman was an absolute douchebag <laughs> throughout this. Oh. Uh, where he's just like, oh, yeah, no, that's not happening. You know, uh, you're just delusional. You're suffering from hysteria, which is always like the cornerstone of women in horror. Like, that's always the number one reason. That's not happening. You're just, you're being hysterical at this point. (laughs) My favorite part is I got so mad at anybody who backed up her story. Mm -hmm. Could you please stop backing her? Stop lying. You're like, we're not you're a fucking liar. Yeah, <laughs> like, like I didn't break my wrist on purpose, dude. What the hell are you on about? <laughs> yeah. See, the problem is that you want to bang your son. Oh, that was a that was a great scene. But she's like, what the hell, man? She leaves, walks out on him. Like that was what a piece of work that doctor. Where did he go to school at? <laughs> Shit. Not to mention he's that character actor who always plays the douchebag in every movie. (laughs) He's very good at it. He's in the guy in Die Hard. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's always that character is the funny thing. I wonder if this was his first kind of defining role. (laughs) (laughs) And somebody was like, yeah, yeah. Hire that guy. Hire that guy. We need a juice for this movie. But I thought that this movie did, uh, it does the thing that genre movies do well or can do well, which is talk about topics mm-hmm. that a regular movie couldn't really talk about. That's right, yeah. And this is a straight up sexual, a movie about sexual assault. And, and stalking. And, and yeah, and it's like, it shows all the real world things where it's like people don't believe her mm-hmm. people don't until they you, see yeah. it happen firsthand. Yeah, it's like, the te- yeah, the tendency to not be believed, the te- you know, the person's continuously able to keep getting away with it. Living with your attacker to the point where Mm -hmm. those attacks are not only frequent, but like they're just, there's no way to block them or there's no way to protect yourself, Mm -hmm. which is one of the really disturbing parts about the movie that there's also that not only does it, it happens to her everywhere, right? So in her own home, in the fake home, in her car where he tries to kill her and you see her like two little feet trying to hit the brake and nothing's Mm -hmm. happening. Like that was terrifying too. But it's just, it's, she's so vulnerable and it's, that's, that's 
that's a very it, it, it was it was a hard like it it was a tough feeling right throughout the movie just like that the the cringy part about not being able to say well if you do this maybe if you find a way to like do things in such a way you won't get attacked anymore like my first thought was like get out of the house and then the second thought was don't be alone and that shit didn't work either yeah. oh, nothing worked because uh, even when she's at a friend's house she still uh, has the windows blown out and she gets attacked there and then of course you know her friend and uh, her husband are like like what the hell is going on and her, that's finally like the turning point for her friend like well she didn't do this clearly like there's no way one woman you just saw it and you know that's the other thing too because even though there are people in the movie who see the things that are happening there there's still always like that thought in the back of their minds of like well i i don't know what i saw you know like yeah. even to that point even though they've seen it firsthand they still are denying it because they don't want to reach they don't want to, like, knock out all of the possible real-life explanations and go to that extreme because it is really, like, the first of the kind and probably not something that they scientifically want to stand by because they feel like, I don't know, maybe they're going to get laughed out of the room or not be taken seriously uh, in this case. And even, even like, at a, on a personal level, I think a big part of not wanting to see the reality of things is because... You can be a little lazy and you don't want to take action or you don't, because, you know, to understand like, oh, okay, so now we need to dismantle this whole thing. It's a whole bunch, it's, it's going to be a whole deal. And so you you try to hold on to normalcy as long as possible, just because you don't want to get off your ass either, by the way. <laughs> or is that just me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. but I thought that, you know, that it made a really good point of doing that. And I thought that the Invisible Man movie that you're talking about was uh, at least had the same uh, idea, right? So it was about persistent assault from, uh, like, a, somebody that she can't get away from. This one was uh, her partner that she thought is, which, that she thinks is dead, right, in the, in the uh, Invisible Man movie. But still, it's, it's targeted, it's violent, it's, it's, it's uh, sexual attacks, and, uh, and there's a, a huge level of vulnerability because she just does not... Although, even in that movie, like, he's, he's real, so mm -hmm. she, like, they, he could be... He, he was killed again. In this movie, that's the horrible ending, is that there's no explanation. There's just a, lot, a bunch of little clues... Like, oh, well, you know, uh, maybe it is something that she's manifesting out of her own self, which is unlikely. Well, there, it's all right. Or maybe it's the spirit of her dad who was a creep. Maybe it's this, maybe it's that. But then at the end, nothing is resolved. And even in real life, you know, uh, they do say how she moved from, I think it happened in Culver City or in L.A. in the movie, and, and originally in Culver City. And then she moved to um, another Texas, Texas. Texas was her, her final, mm -hmm. her final move, right? Uh, when the movie came out, and so, and even in the in the in the epilogue or whatever you want to call it, it says that the the intensity and the frequency went down, but they never stopped the attacks. Mm -hmm. So it's it's a really sad ending that there was no resolution, there was no understanding, and there was no end to it, which is a huge bummer. I know cinematically it's one of those things like i kept thinking about it during the movie where it's like i feel like if this was made today there would have been more sort of lore given about right. the entity right than they did in that one it felt like they were trying to stay so true to the original real world story that they weren't willing to sort of speculate about that stuff but i, I feel i don't know it's like 
it's that thing of like, is it better that they sort of left it mysterious or is it better to give some info and lore so that you can have something to kind of wrap latch your, on to? You wrap know? your head around it a little better, yeah. I don't know. I don't know if it, if it sort of cheapens it or if it's, if it's more of a... It's more of a unique story this way where it's like, you know what? There's a million things on this planet that we can't explain. Here's, mm-hmm. here's one of them. Yeah, yeah. Versus, it was your ex. He faked his death, and then he got himself an invisible suit. Yeah. Or it was, you know, they probably would have, depending on who's making the movie today, you know, I feel like they would have leaned more on the father, the potential that the entity was the father. The ex or something, father, yeah. Oh, her father, yeah. Who, mm-hmm. there was a lot of implication that he abused her. And maybe, like, he died, and he was a preacher, and then, like, mm. ugh, ugh, so gross. But then, of course, there was the inner, sort of, interdimensional talk that it was a a, a, a sort of formless entity that right. never had a body. And there was, like, three of dudes, like, one big one and two mm. little ones, and I don't know where that came from. They didn't quite expand on that. <laughs> and that's the thing, is I feel like... It feels sort of like you need that stuff in there, even though it's not part of the real world story and it's kind of Hollywoodizing the story. It's but just you a kind better... of need it as a movie, you know, so to you have that stuff. It. Yeah. Because, <laughs> yeah, yeah it, it does have, I mean, it, it does have that sort of hopeless feel of like they set up this creature that can basically get Do her whatever. anytime, anywhere, any, you know. That ending, too. So the ending is totally made up. In the real world, uh, nobody gave money to the parapsychologist. Mm-hmm. But in the Hollywood world, of course, they built this ginormous... Uh, but huge budget. Huge budget, what do you call it? Uh, like recreation of her house. Recreation of yeah. yeah. With all kinds of... It's like diorama. There we go. <laughs> yeah, that ending. I mean, if with like with with guns that shoot. Yeah, there's. It was like a James Bond movie. <laughs> in that ending, kind of. And then the, the hold of the guns, and he's chasing her throughout the house, trying to get her. And then the stupid safe place, safe space that they built for her, didn't even fucking hold. Those yeah. guys were not well equipped. <laughs> Oh, and did you guys think, were you guys really upset that, like, the level of anxiety, the lack of anxiety in the control booth, that really was upsetting to me. Like, here's this woman <laughs> running from room to room. This monster is trying to get her with, like, fucking jets that they fucking built. And they're all just, like, smoking, like, oh, oh, dear. <laughs> they're like, oh, man, we've, we've, uh, we've, we've lost control. Oh, oh. And here's the other one. The Hit all the buttons. <laughs> Yeah, push all the buttons. I'm like, really? There's so many buttons. Why don't you have a tech in here? What is it their job to put, fucking push the buttons? They don't know what they're doing. And there's no sense of urgency except from the asshole, you know, therapist who just mm. wants to bang her. Yeah, and you know, that, like, circling back to, you know, the whole, you know, you should, you should really uh, come in for psychiatric help at this point. You know, I, he, he wants her to commit herself to this. And, you know, the entire time I'm just thinking... Well, you've already basically said that you want to fuck her. See, now you're trying to bring her in so she can constantly be under your watch, so you can keep a close eye on her and all of that. And she's like, that needs you, to be and you also have like that entire ordeal where he has like this booklet of like all of these like uh, mythological creatures and being like, oh, well, all these people concocted these stories, you know, like you're supposed to be sensible. Like, wh- how, how do you, you think these came to be? Like, 
You know, here, you got like a goblin, you know, there's a ghoul here, there's trolls, and it's just like, oh, man, he's just laying like, it on thick. I feel like he got a hold of a Dungeons and Dragons <laughs> monster manual and then like cut the monster pictures out of and created his own mm-hmm. binder. He's like, look at these monsters. <laughs> you know, it's real because it's in a book and it's <laughs> the 70s. It's in a book. It's in a binder that I created myself. <laughs> It's called Science. Have you heard of it? Like, how come in every other horror movie he would have pulled like a mythology or a folklore book out of library? Yeah, a a real hardbound book. Something dusty. He's got his little homemade binder. I don't. That was very weird. (laughs) Like, did nobody? Did they? Did I feel like? Did they like? They came to the day where they were filming that scene, and they were like, "Oh my god, we forgot (gasps) to get the tone." (laughs) Somebody quick. Somebody in the props department whips up that up real quick. Yes, you know, he's just cutting them out. He has a little glue stick. Yeah, yeah. Do it. You know, they didn't have a Necronomicon, so, you know, what are, what are you supposed to do? <laughs> you know, I've uh, made my own Necronomicon. Not an actual skin one, but it's a paper one. But, you know, you, it's not impossible to make. It's on, the, like, it's on the bookshelf. Yeah. Over there. <laughs> they wouldn't let me check it out from the library. <laughs> so I had to take pictures and write it down by hand. But also that... That doctor, mm-hmm. he tried multiple times to get her committed yeah. against her will. Yeah. Like, at least and three times. Yeah. Oh. That's so bad that he, that he was doing that. Yeah, he's like, we could do this. No, you can't. Yeah, we could do it. <laughs> he's asshole. like, I could. He's like, I could lie and do it. <laughs> oh, my God. Like, that's a really great way to a girl's heart. Mm-hmm. Wait, I, I, I sort of forget, though. How did they didn't? They never ended up together. No, he, mm-hmm. she basically moved away and yeah. still had, and he was left on his own. Yeah, that's and I, and I don't even know if uh, his character was real. You know, I think it was just well, I he was added in. That was not. I'm trying to think of like some of the the those um those real life documentary documentaries that I saw. Documentaries is a very loose word for the one I saw, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> but I don't think there was any mention of him. It, it could have just been. In fact, I don't think the the woman saw a therapist at all. I think it was just a construct of the movie, mm-hmm. which even then is horrible because, like, really, like you decided to create this awful character. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, they, we, the, here's the thing too: uh, you kind of like have that entire uh, sequence where like all of the doctors are in the room together after hearing like this woman's experiences, oh, and after she leaves, you have that conversation after, and this is the part of the movie. That sticks with me the most because of how how, how truthful it is in some cases. Uh, but basically, one of the doctors is just like, all right, this is what's actually happening. Uh, you know, this, this girl, she has been in abusive relationships. She's finally found a guy that she likes. You know, she got dicked out. She got some good dick. And now she is just sexually... Uh, promiscuous to the sense where she's chronically masturbated so that's she just keeps touching herself and flicking the bean because she's had some good dick for the first time in her life and it's just like you know being dick drunk is a thing that happens uh but it's just like that explanation of it being like really that's that's what you guys are going with here? Like, are you fucking serious? I never heard the word I never heard the term dick drunk (laughs) (laughs) I learned something new today. <laughs> <laughs>
Have I been dick drunk? Probably. Not for many years now. <laughs> I don't think you can get dick drunk over the age of 35. <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> but it's just one of those things that I'm just, like, shaking my head and being like, of course. It'd be, like, the oldest guy in the room, like, pulling, pulling that one out of the head. And then, like, a bunch of other guys in white coats smoking uh, uh, pipes going, mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm, yeah, nodding in agreement. Yeah, definitely dick drunk. <laughs> <laughs> I've made women dick drunk before, haven't you? And they'll, oh, yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. It's all one-word responses, you know? <laughs> one lady doctor still agreeing, like, bitch, speak up! All right, so so outside of that, you know, one of the common trends uh, is, you know, seeing these violent assaults happening only uh, for the people around her to kind of, like, be left shell-shocked. This happens with her uh, her boyfriend in the movie, Jerry, uh, where, you know, you mentioned, you know, she's uh, laying down on the bed, and that's when we got the whole uh, body double uh, for yeah. the torso effect where she's getting pressed down uh, on her breast. And, you know, Jerry comes out of the bathroom, sees what's happening, and really doesn't know what to make of it. Uh, her, yeah, he spent way too many seconds not doing anything. Yeah, but her son, shock. Yeah, her son also comes to the room, sees what's going on, and mistakes Jerry for the attacker. And, you know, there's a scuffle between the two. Uh, but after yeah. they bring Carla uh, to the hospital after this assault, you know, Jerry is talking to the dick psychiatrist. Uh, and he's just so troubled by what he saw that he just ends the relationship. <laughs> like, right, yeah, right on the spot, being like, like, nope, like, not dealing like, with this crazy. Not with ghosting. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's a bummer. Yeah, the, uh, not that I'm uh, offended by this in any way, but men are definitely not portrayed well in this movie. Like, no. the best friend, it's like the main character is being abused by what we assume is a male entity. Right, assume, the, yeah. The best friend's husband is fairly kind dick. of abusive and a dick. Yeah. Um, you know, the psycho, well, he's meant to be sort of heroic, but essentially, like, the romantic. And her, of course, as we said, her boyfriend leaves And her. even her son, too, is like he's really dismissive, too, from the get-go. Mm-hmm. Like, look, Ma, it's just this pipe. You made it all up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sorry, guys. It, it really dragged you guys. But that should, you know, goes to show if you guys are in a similar situation, you know, you know, believe mm-hmm. ghosts and then, um, you know, don't run out and then don't become therapists and then try to sleep with your, <laughs> with your uh, clients. That is, I mean, it's interesting with, obviously, to bring up the Me Too movement. Mm-hmm. I mean, a, a very strong theme of this movie is believe the victim. Yeah, it is. You know, that's a big running theme throughout the uh, through the entire story. Yeah, like, you know, and I mentioned this earlier in the show was that uh, they ended up cleaning up that character a lot because otherwise audiences wouldn't have that sort of... Um, they wouldn't be siding with her. They'd be just as judgmental, right? Mm-hmm. So they had to make her like this perfect woman that was being attacked. Well, and it's kind of like a, it's almost like a court thing where it's like, if this was like a court situation, her lawyers would be like, well, we don't want the jury to judge her based on right. her previous life. They, we want them to judge her based on what happened here in this event. And it's kind of like that situation where it's like, 
and they do it in the media where they're they'll paint like a victim oh, or yeah. somebody as like a bad person. Well, you know, this bad thing happened to this person, but they what were a bad wearing? person, so yeah. it's not that bad. You know, so it's kind of okay that it happened to them, kind of thing. You know. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, very interesting movie. I'm glad we chose it. It wasn't as uh, fun as the other ones, of course. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I think it's really cool to have movies in here that every once in a while that we talk about that are that are you know that that uh, that that really take you out of it, that really push you, that that are genuinely scary. I mean, it's horror, right? And this is horrifying. I mean, not to be creepy, but. Did you guys watching this movie at any time put yourself in her shoes? And what would you do if you were being raped in your home by an entity? I don't know. Think about it, guys. Rough, <laughs> right? Rough. <laughs> Not good, right? No, but... <laughs> no, a lot more crying. I'm sure there would be a lot more crying. I, I kept thinking, like, in the movie, I kept being, like, frustrated because I was like, I want there to be a thing where she can, like, figure out some way to, to fight back yeah. or to, you know, a weakness like he appeared like this entity appears to be unstoppable at first yeah. but she eventually starts figuring a out a way yeah. yeah i kept you know i wanted it to be that way that but, a it little more that. Way, but it wasn't and, anyway, and that's the thing is do we think that the reason this movie is not out there readily available you know it, you can judge uh, you can judge it it's like even not, you know, pirating is wrong, kids. But even on the pirate waves, there are only a few copies of this out there. And I, I'm wondering if it's, like, sort of too real for people, too dark. I don't know. Too, you know, it's, it's not... It, I'm sorry, finish your thought. Well, it, it, you know, just to bring up Exorcist, which is a very dark and realistic movie, and yet doesn't deal with as dark a topics as right. sexual assault. And so it's, this is a much darker and bleaker movie than it was so that, hard to know. get a hold of for sure. And, but the thing that's so weird is that the topic is intense and, um, there's no resolution. Uh, but when you, they don't, they don't add extra horror to it. Mm -hmm. You know, there's not a lot of gruesomeness to it at all. There's, uh, the, the, it's the sexual assaults. So it's so weird that they, that something, a movie like this would get sort of trying to get like swept under the rug when there's, I don't know, like even it, do you guys know what I'm saying? Where like, it's, it's so laid out in a, in a, in a, as close to realistic way as possible. It's not sensationalized as much. I mean, of course, until the last scene with the, with the jets and whatnot, but, uh, but the assaults, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's, it's so, it's interesting to me that you say that because I'm like, Oh, that's so weird because it doesn't seem like that kind of movie that, that would merit that kind of reaction. But, but the topic is so sensitive that maybe there, there it is. And like you were saying, it, it does drag dudes a lot. <laughs> but not in a total. I, I think it's done in a subtle way. It's not like a men are bad movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's very subtle because you don't. And, and in fact, it was produced and written by men, so that's the worst part. <laughs> it drags you accidentally. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no. Yeah, the no resolution, no happy ending. I mean, you no can, way to fight back. And you can yeah. even deal with an unhappy ending if there's some kind of resolution, but there's not even yeah. that. <laughs> it just that. keeps on happening. It just kind of dies off on its own. Yeah, so one of the interesting things, too, is you know, you kind of have that act of defiance on Carla's part uh, when you get towards the tail end of the movie when she does trap herself, uh, you know, behind the glass when 
the entity is trying to kill her using the tanks mm-hmm. uh, since it's taking control over it. And, you know, you have that moment where she's just standing her ground telling the entity, like, hey, like, you can never have me, you know, like, this is through. Uh, and, you know, you, you just have that moment where it's a very empowering moment for her uh, because, yeah. you know, you kind of have that sense that, you know, she's taking her life back uh, within that moment. And, of course, you know, the douchebag psychiatrist uh, rushes into uh, to make the save as... You know, the entity eventually gets frozen for a brief period of time uh, as it's mm-hmm. being encased in this large mass of ice uh, with the uh, with the containers. And, of course, what happens? You know, the entity ends up breaking free and vanishes. But the ending of this movie, you know, when she returns home, you know, the only thing I'm thinking of when you get that welcoming message back, which is only three words... I'm just trying to think, well, is he talking to her, or is the entity talking to her vagina? It's one of the two. <laughs> what was it? It was, no what was the third word? I, word? I caught home, I caught cunt. I didn't catch the third word. Oh, welcome? welcome home. Cunt. Is that what he said? Yeah, yeah. that's what I thought he said. The dude's a real dick. Where were we? So we were just talking about... The jets. Mm-hmm. The, uh, yeah. Oh, the exploding. He exploding. exploded out of the ice. Oh, right, right, right. The helium. What was it? The like? frozen helium. It's like, what helium? Yeah, I know. Why, why, is that, <laughs> why does that work? That's why I mentioned the word helium before, because I'm like, is that right? Is that what they did? <laughs> okay. It's like, where are you guys coming from? But it's all made this? up anyway, right? So mm-hmm. that, that piece wasn't real anyway. Was that not from, did they not, t- in the real version mm-hmm. of the story? Did so they not- in the real version of the story, um, she does meet them and they do a, a bunch of, I mean, the, the students, because that's the, the guy who was sort of talking in that little documentary I saw. And he was saying that uh, they worked together, they didn't have a lot of money, so they mm-hmm. did as many tests as possible, they took pictures. And even then he was saying that the, the equipment they had available in the 70s was so like... yeah subpar that he says like well now and and this was from like the 90s he's like well now we would be able to do a lot more blah 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 but that they lost touch with her after she moved to texas and that they saw her at the premiere of the movie but that yeah that whole sequence of of them of of her going to the university and and working there with freezing yeah that didn't happen Hmm. very Um, science fiction i mean it was a lot of money if you think about it like how much did that cost that gigantic you know Apart, or uh, her home and and uh, that was just way too advanced. <laughs> there was no way that was gonna happen. Yeah, that was the most unbelievable part of the movie. For but me. it was still pretty fun. <laughs> I mean, you didn't have plumbing, you didn't have gas. All you had is a stocked refrigerator, yeah. basically. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then I started to feel like a like your average horror movie. Like mm-hmm. everything up until then was just it was very somber, and you know, rightly so. But, you know, they did give you that very sensationalized ending, which... Um, yeah, Hollywood ending. Yeah, Hollywood ending. Yeah, <laughs> interesting. Oh, well, yeah. It is interesting. Like, it's like... You could definitely make this movie again and do it as a very, like, even more real-world and toned-down psychological type of movie and not have the crazy ending, you know? Right. This could be, I think, remade in a good way. Let's call Hollywood. Let's make this happen. They're remaking everything anyways. That's true. (laughs) (laughs) And am I, I'm not, am I mistaken? Wasn't there an entity too that ended up coming out? (gasps) I I meant to look and I forgot to look. 
But I feel like they ended up making a, a weird sequel that just kind of flopped and disappeared. But I could be wrong about that. I'm I'm not sure to be honest. <laughs> oh, I did want to mention that uh, when we were uh, watching the Japanese horror movies in last month, mm-hmm. uh, one thing that I I mentioned was that uh, I hadn't noticed or I hadn't seen a movie at that point, or at least I couldn't remember the entity that where a ghost follows you out of that out of your house. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And I was like, oh, here's one. Tries to kill her in her car. Yeah, and her friend's house. And Poltergeist, too? Poltergeist, though. Oh, shit. So I was really wrong about not really saying movies that did that. (laughs) There's plenty. There's plenty. (laughs) Yeah, is that just a coincidence just to bring up the whole Poltergeist thing again? Where that exact kind of thing of the, the, there's the two paranormal investigators with the psychic woman and they come and set up. I mean, it's so similar, and they came out right at the same similar time. That's been brought up in other reviews, too. I mm-hmm. mean, like, the similarities, and that came out afterwards, though, right? Well, they both came out in 82, but apparently Entity was being, I think, maybe made before Poltergeist. It was in production before. I mean, it had to be influenced. You see that happen a lot with competing studios, mm-hmm. right, where they, yeah. they catch wind of what one of them is working on, and they're like, we'll mm-hmm. make one, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. And parapsychology and that kind of stuff was very popular at that time, I remember. Yeah. We had that TV show In Search Of with Leonard Nimoy. Whoa. It was kind of like a ghosts and Bigfoot kind of show. Hmm. You don't popular. see as much of that as, as much anymore. Or maybe you, now you get a chance to like choose whatever you want to watch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ah, well, that's the entity for you. <laughs> <laughs> darker, much darker than the last one. Much darker than the last yeah, couple. A little bit. Or and darker than um, even Cronenberg's for sure. Whoa, that's right. Yes. I With mean, Cronenberg, they were both sex rays, but in very different ways. Yeah, Cronenberg's. Even though his he was going for kind of a serious tone too, but mm-hmm. it still was inevitably wackier than right. Andy was. <laughs> I mean, well, up next, we've got what? It Follows? Yes. Uh, next week, we have our patron selection, uh, which is It Follows, which was released in 2014. Uh, that one being directed by David Robert Mitchell. Uh, so, again, circling back to Scooby-Doo horror, <laughs> much like Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. <laughs> uh, well, which... uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna say that it follows kind of has like a a, a a slow, dark, somber mm-hmm. tone to it as well. Uh, I mean, nothing really, you know, anywhere close to entity because this one is really pushing the you know based on real events kind of perspective, which kind of brings like a, a deep sadness to it. But uh, but yeah, it follows. Last time I watched, it, I remember liking it, so I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, I mean, this was one of the more hyped indie. Uh, releases of the genre. I mean, really, the past decade, uh, right? And you know, kind of like the the story behind it, or at least like the main driving point of the story, uh, was encouraging people to have sex. So it kind of has that Sherry Falls type uh, motive behind it. Pass it on. <laughs> yes. Uh, have it be have it be someone else's problem. You know, that's that's the way to do it. Mm-hmm. Incidentally, kids, that's not how STDs work. It's everybody's problem. Yeah. <laughs> wow. The more you know. <laughs> <laughs>
All right. Well, uh, any anything else that you guys want to talk about with the entity, or should we wrap things up for tonight? I think I'm good. How about you, John? Yeah, I think I think I've said everything. Definitely. We said all the words. We said all the words. We did all the things, and you know, we're we're not, we're not going to greet you the same way the entity did in this movie because, oh, man. Like, you know, I I figured, okay, it's 80s horror. There has to be, like, a one-liner. But, you know, the first time I saw that, I'm just like, wait, that that's what we're going with? You know, it's just one of those moments. <sighs> but to each her own, at least she made the wise decision of just leaving the house again at that point. She's like, yeah, nah, man, yeah, you can't have here. me. Fuck this, oh. I'm out of here. Hops in the car and just drives off uh, to Texas, yeah. in this case. <laughs> that, that was, I guess, just a go back a tiny bit like that was the weird thing i was a little confused about with the ending when he said welcome home <laughs> and then they leave but it's like we know he can follow her so mm-hmm. i don't know you know yeah he it was a little weird because it's like well he's, she's not leaving him behind he's gonna be with her i don't know maybe that was the uh, hollywood i don't know hmm. we do if there's not a sequel we need a sequel we need like a, <laughs> we need like a Ghostbusters sequel where she like fully gets revenge and yeah. kicks its ass and like Very dispels it back yes. to its universe. That's right. And he gets sent to like ghost prison. <laughs> <laughs> or just a role reversal, and she's going around as the rapist and attacking ghosts. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> I don't know how that would work, but you know, you never know. Good. <laughs> That's a terrible idea. We're not. We're not going That's with that terrible. one. <laughs> <a> terrible. Terrible <laughs> I mean, there's been uh, weirder movies made, but anyways, all right. So if you guys are looking to contact the show, of course you can do this in a number of different ways. We have our Patreon at uh, Patreon.com/handedwithscare. We have tiers started at just one dollar a month. So what does that get you? Well, uh, you get early access to the podcast feed. Uh, before they drop on the podcatchers, you can select our next phobia for the month or even select movies that we're talking about for uh, whatever our topic of choice is for the month. Uh, we also have Instagram, Handle with Scare Pod. We're on YouTube also at Handle with Scare Pod. Uh, on Twitter at Handle with Scare. But primarily, you can find all of our show information on our website at handlewithscarepod.com. Uh, but for now... You know, just a reminder, again, tomorrow, Thursday, 8 p.m. Pacific time, uh, every week on Stream Launch, we have our watch parties, we do a $25 Fright Rags giveaway as we watch The Babysitter, uh, which is a really fun horror-slash-comedy movie, uh, which also got a sequel on Netflix as well. Uh, but, you know, until then, guys, you've been listening to Handle with Scare. This has been episode number, what are we at, like, 46? 47, 47. Yeah, we're getting close to 50 already. It's crazy at this point. Uh, but, you know, for now, I've been totally drunk, joined, as always, by my co-hosts, Holly Hooch and John. And we'll see you back next week. You take care and have a good night.